This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. My name is Nicole Russo and I am your host alongside resident NFL analyst for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. Now you might already know if you've been following us, but every Tuesday we are going to take a look at opening NFL lines and discuss how we think these lines are going to move as we inch closer and closer to game time. If you take a look at the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, you are going to see the best sportsbook sign-up offers that we have from our partners. So if you want to bet any of the games that we talk about on here today, make sure that you are clicking those banners and getting the best sign-up offer that there is out there. And of course, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, then make sure to subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line podcast and give us a five-star review to win an amp for a chance to win an Amazon gift card. Before we get into NFL week three wagers, let's talk about how you guys did in NFL week two. Eli, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, good week for me. And by the way, just to take a step back, we got a ton of iTunes reviews or whatever it's called Apple now. So if anyone wants to go on and subscribe, give us a five-star rating. That would be very much appreciated. Got a ton in last week, but week two card went really well, just like week one on, I preface this again, you don't want to double down. You don't want to start, uh, or even, uh, trying to make up the money that you might've lost in week one or week two, depending on how you did over the first couple weeks of the NFL season. But again, with that being said, really good week two for me. Uh, Chargers cast on the back door. Mo and I hit that Thursday night. I had Chargers plus three and a half. Didn't get much closing line value there as it closed around four, four and a half, but still hit with the Chargers. Uh, then the Jags, they, I got closing line value there. Uh, closed around three, got plus four and a half last week, early last week. So hit Jacksonville in the blowout over the Colts. We'll touch on that game in a bit. Uh, Jets plus six and a half got got pretty lucky there because Nick Chubb decided to uh, to not go down inbounds before the two minute warning scored. Give the gave the Jets a chance and Joe Flacco cashed in to not only hit the backdoor cover but win outright because the Jets got the onside kick. Cowboys plus seven was was never in doubt. Uh, that one closed around plus seven and a half. I got it plus seven early. Sunday morning, Bengals offensive line still remains an issue, even though they made upgrades in the offseason. Continuity still remains a problem um, with that offensive line. And then my only bet that lost, and it felt like I had a bad week because of it, was Vikings plus three, minus 115, hit that on Monday afternoon. So a few hours before the Eagles-Vikings game kicked off. And now after what we've seen with Philadelphia over the first couple of weeks, especially after an impressive Monday night performance, guys. Eagles are down to plus 1,300 to win the Super Bowl. That's good for the fifth shortest odds, depending on where you're uh, you're looking. They were as high as 40 to 1, and that was before draft night, before the A.J. Brown trade, and then as high as 25 to 1 before they kicked off the season. So a lot of people are buying in on the Eagles. We'll see if it's an overreaction or not. You know, I thought it was going to be hard to be a Steelers fan this year. We'll get into the Ravens a little bit later. But if you are a Browns fan, 
I mean, I just, I have, I have no words because Nick Chubb (laughs) gave that game away for that team. And the worst part was, and I saw that you actually posted it on Twitter, but he he did understand situational football and awareness (laughs) in a prior game when he had basically the exact same scenario play out and he took the ball down to the one, bled the clock out and then went out of bounds. So he does know um, how to manage the clock. He just must've forgotten how to use that skill in the game on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, not great. Not great from Nick Chubb, but us Jets backers like Mo are pretty happy about it. And uh, that's the perfect segue. Mo, how did your week two bets go? It was okay. Lighter week for me. Uh, not a lot I liked, really. Um, got a miracle win in Cardinals team total over 22 and a half. So uh, not going to uh, make any complaints this week. That's for sure. Uh, they definitely, I mean, they pretty much got wrecked for three quarters and then needed perfect, 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 uh, run out there to, uh, manage to get over the, the 23 and a half or 22 and a half rather, but disappointing result in the saints game. Um, and then I did like, uh, Ravens on here, but didn't end up betting yeah. it because the injuries scared me off. I was waiting to see later in the week. I was hoping to get Ravens minus three and then, uh, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of pieces that like Ronnie Stanley, um, JK Dobbins didn't play. I don't know. I just ended up staying off it just because of the injuries. With that being said, it's time to look forward to week three. And we're going to kick off today's segment, taking a look at the Colts versus the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs are currently 2-0 and with the Colts sitting at 0-1-1. and The opening line was Colts plus 6.5. Now, Eli, I know you were hoping for a plus 7, and it looks like it got there at points bet. So talk us through this one. This line was 3.5 on the look at, 3.5-4, depending on where you're at. Uh, you're placing your bets, but it got bet all the way up to seven early Tuesday morning at points bet. And that minus 110, I believe, is still available. There are still some plus seven, minus 115s uh, out there as well. So just kind of taking you guys through this. I think it's a little bit of a sell high on Kansas City, but more so a buy low on the Colts. So you look at the Colts over the first two weeks. You mentioned the tie in Houston and then getting absolutely blitzed without two of their best skill position players, arguably um, three when you look at both sides of the ball with with Shaq Leonard and then uh, offensively without Michael Pittman and Pierce, the rookie wide receiver. So over the first two weeks, they've uh, accrued the third lowest expected points added per play offensively. And for those who are unfamiliar with that term, you could look up the full definition. It's over at the lines.com in the how to bet section, just a, a metric that a lot of people use of late in recent years when it comes to betting on the NFL. But EPA, if you're unaware, is uh, it's calculated by the expected points added score based on the down distance and field position at the start of a play compared to the end result. And again, go over to the lines.com if you want to dig more into that metric. Essentially, the Colts have struggled offensively to say the least in their in their first two games. But you look at the Chiefs secondary and how it performed against the Chargers. And I know the Chiefs were able to get some sort of a pass rush in the second half, but I don't put too much into that just because of how the Chargers offensive line was banged up in the second half over the full course of that game. If you look at it holistically, the Chargers were able to move the ball efficiently on the ground and through the air. 
And Kansas City, I want to say they gave up the ninth highest success rate uh, through the air in week two against a very explosive Chargers passing attack. Now, Colts passing attack obviously isn't as explosive when you look at the numbers, but if Pittman and Pierce are back, I think this is a pretty good buy low spot on the Colts offense. And then on the flip side of the ball, uh, it's it's tough to say whether um, Shaq Leonard is going to play this week or not, who's one of the best all-around linebackers in the NFL. And even with that being said, uh, Gus Bradley in this Colts secondary beyond Stephon Gilmore has gotten ripped to shreds over the first couple of weeks. But you go back to week two and how Patrick Mahomes fared against the Chargers, got pretty lucky. And I'm not saying the Chiefs should have necessarily won outright um, or shouldn't have won outright in that game regardless. But two picks called back. The first one probably a little bit worse of a call. Um, you can make the case for the second one being overturned, not being overturned. But uh, uh, I want to say it was pass interference that was called on the Chargers or some sort of illegal contact that negated the interception. I, I didn't see much there. Regardless, Chiefs end up scoring two touchdowns on the two picks that were called back. So in that sense, it's a little bit of a sell high on Kansas City um, on top of the fact that you might get a letdown from the Chiefs on both sides of the ball. They, they were playing a division rival last week and a lot going into that game. Now you're playing an 0-1-1 Colts team on the road in a must-win situation for Indianapolis. So I back the Colts at plus seven. I am just struggling so much here to find any confidence in Matt Ryan. I mean, where he's coming off of three interceptions, zero touchdowns against the Jags, NFL week one. They have that tie against the Texans. Ryan's got a 63.9 passer rating as it stands right now. And like you said, and you've touched on this, if Pittman and Pierce aren't back, then I really struggle with to see them covering. And the Colts are in a division that's very front heavy. So if they you know, like you said, it's must win. They need to get this done and do agree with you that that Chiefs Chargers game with those interceptions that could have been called back really could have gone either way. So I don't know for this one. I'm just really struggling just because I just haven't seen anything from the Colts that give me confidence that they can keep this one close. But Mo, I think think you might be on kind of the same wavelength here with me on this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, just not a spot. I'd be excited to back the Colts. Um, Although I, I do think it would probably be Colts or pass just based on market, market like, I guess, feeling about both of these teams. I mean, there's just no way you're going to get value on the Chiefs in a spot like this. But uh, I do think the line is a hair high, but I don't like fading Andy Reid when he's got extra time. I'm not going to do that anymore after I did that week one. <laughs> um, and... I just I don't think you're selling as high on the Chiefs as you really think when when they didn't have a great game on offense last week. Um, I need to see something more from the Colts. I wouldn't touch this game unless you at least see the Colts get some of their guys back in because I just think they their pass catchers have hit a point where it's just not like a professional group. I mean, this is like a practice squad group of receivers. Paris Campbell is as bad as it gets. I mean, he's just like playing every snap out there. He's atrocious. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really ugly. And and when I see a quarterback like Matt Ryan grouped with these guys, it's just a really concerning uh, situation for their offense. I, I mean, Matt Ryan, maybe he can still succeed, although I don't know if he can, but it's possible he could still succeed with a, a better supporting cast. But he looks really rough right now. And, and with these receivers, I kind of can't blame him. I mean... 
I don't I don't know. I mean, Eli's saying Alec Pierce. I don't know if Alec Pierce makes a difference. Isn't he just really, really bad? I mean, he came out and played awful in week one. So we can't expect big things from, you know, mid-round rookies in most cases. So uh, when I see Matt Ryan playing like this, when I see these stats, 27th in uh, completion percent over expectation and EPA blend, uh, and these stats are, are not, these stats are opponent agnostic. You know, they're not taking into account the opponent. Like this is just straight up. He's 27th and he's faced the Texans and Jags. So, uh, that makes me quite concerned for the near future of this Colts offense for sure. Although, you know, they should be able to run the ball in theory. I mean, the chiefs have always let people run the ball. So, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor rips off, a 75 yarder this is going to be a game you know that's to me that's really quick Nicole that's the key if Matt Ryan could get anything going through the air and at the same time if Taylor can get anything going on the ground and to your point you go back to last week the only the only point in the game when Kansas City was really able to stop the run against the Chargers because that did open things up on both ways for for Herbert and then on the flip side for the for the Chargers run, run game with Eckler if Taylor can get anything going on the ground, it's going to help the Colts passing attack. And uh, Wright did say that Pittman is trending in the right direction. I think he is going to play for Indianapolis. So I, I get it. It's a gross spot, but NFL is a week to week league uh, to say the least. And I'll be back in the, the, uh, the Colts at plus seven. All right. Uh, let's take it into Panthers saints. Now the saints are dealing with a quarterback that is nowhere near a hundred percent. And we're getting reports that he has four fractures in his back. You know, minor guys, just four fractured vertebrae. No, no big deal. Baker and company yeah. have been on the cusp of two wins back to back in both week one and week two. Mo, I know the Winston injury is factoring in to your pick here. So give us some more insight on why you like Panthers plus three. Yeah, the injury is huge here. I mean, I, I think it's I think you can see it in the way he's playing. It's it's not looking good so far. I know he's trying to play, but man, their offense was looking rough against the Bucks. I mean, long stretches of just like not even getting a first down. I think this line is going to close off 3. It's already coming down uh in a lot of in a lot of spots. You're seeing a lot of two and a halfs pop up here and there. It's kind of going back and forth. There's a juice three at FanDuel minus one fourteen, minus one fifteen at another spot. It's it's kind of bouncing back and forth, but I, I just think the Panthers. I mean, they should arguably be two and zero. I don't think this line would be plus three if they were two and zero. Um, you know, this last game, two egregious fumbles, first two drives. They just they just were behind the eight ball from the start, handed. The, I mean, the defense stepped it up and didn't didn't allow a touchdown, but they they handed the Giants six free points. Um, and, you know, they're not predictive, especially when you've got one coming off a kick return. I guess a Robbie Anderson fumble might be predictive. That was as bad as a fumble gets. Um, but, yeah, as long as they just aren't giving the ball away on these fumbles, I think this is a much more closely matched game than the Panthers being plus three at home. It's really concerning to see a guy trying to play football with four fractures in his back. I just, that can't be good, you know? And, and I don't even know Alvin Kamara, their best offensive weapon. I don't know if he's going to play. It didn't sound like he was very close to playing last week because he was kind of 
they were they were making rumblings that he was going to be out, you know, in the middle of the week. So when that's the case, I'm not expecting him to be 100% this week either. And the Saints, you know, they get a lot of mileage out of their pass rush. Baker was actually moving his feet and, and looking a little nifty uh, against the Giants. He's not the statue that Tom Brady is. They've dominated uh, some of these mm-hmm. kind of less mobile quarterbacks. And, and you know, taking plus three in a game where the total is 40 and a half, which I think is a reasonable total with these these defenses, it's more helpful than, than in a higher total game. So, yeah, I think Panthers does close under three, and I took some plus three early in the week already. Mo, I am with you on this one as well. I don't know what's going on this week. We just seem to be in sync, but the Panthers have <laughs> been so dang close in the first two games. And honestly, I think the rest of America minus Cleveland fans was rooting in week one for Baker to have that FU moment against the Cleveland Browns. I wanted him to have that FU win so badly, <laughs> but they just couldn't get it done. And at this point, I am shocked <laughs> Jameis Winston is even standing, nevertheless playing football. I was pretty much blown away when they said that he was going to be playing with four fractures in his back and that the injury couldn't get any worse. I'm not sure how being in a position, no matter how much padding you have on where you could be sacked and taken to the ground by a 250 plus pound man could they could confidently say that your back fracture couldn't get any worse. And I agree with you. I think we saw this severely impact his play against the Bucks. He had those two late interceptions in the second half. He doesn't seem to be able to be getting a lot of velocity on that ball. Now, no doubt the Saints receiving core is better, but the problem is, is the guy throwing the football to them isn't healthy. So I like the Panthers here as well. Eli, do you agree with us or you're taking the opposite stance here as well? By no means am I saying I'm going to bet the Saints, but just to play devil's advocate, because now you have jumped on Mo's bandwagon <laughs> to do so against my bets. And again, not betting the Saints here. I think it's it's Panthers or pass. And, and to Mo's point, he was saying that with Indianapolis, too. It's, it's Colts or pass there in that spot. I don't think you I don't think anyone, at least somebody that's digging into these numbers, is saying bet the Chiefs, especially uh, potentially a, a letdown spot after what happened against the Chargers, a division rival. And this game is also a divisional game. So both teams, uh, in theory, know each other pretty well. The question is, though, I mean, you go back to last week in the Bucs game. I know Mo was on the Saints. Sean Hockley aided the Bucs on that game when he touched down drive more than at more than anything the Bucs really did. Um, now, Winston, obviously, uh, the injuries uh, on top of the fact that he made some pretty poor decisions in that second half against a pretty good Bucs secondary. Now, I don't know if anyone's saying the same thing about the Panthers. And, and Mo, you mentioned this with turnovers for for Carolina. Now, you can make the case they could have covered and and won uh, in each of those first two games, but they've also lost the turnover battle in each of the first two games. So can you trust Baker Mayfield in a game that's around a field goal? I I can't, and uh, for that reason, it's probably a pass for me. Uh, Again, it's Carolina or a pass here, but I don't think I'm going to be on the Panthers uh, as a home dog. Mo, any final thoughts before we jump into our WTF segment of the day? I just think, uh, you know, the the yards per play that 
Eli kind of touched on there is kind of a big indicator for me that the Panthers are playing better than their scores, playing better than their results so far. I believe they had the yards per play edge in in both of their first two games. They both probably... I mean, the first game was definitely a flip, whatever. That's a fair loss, I guess, but they definitely should have beat the Giants. And and the market was all over the Panthers there. Like, the Panthers got steamed pretty hard, and they were probably the right side. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. All right, let's take a break from football. Let's jump into our WTF segment of the day. What the f***? And this one's going to be a little bit different because, honestly, I think this one's just, it's too good to post. And maybe it's football adjacent when we talk about some football recipes. But just to give you some insight, I live in a certain neighborhood in Las Vegas, and Mo has a friend that lives in the same neighborhood. Now, Mo's friend is brave enough to be in our community chat, basically our our Reddit group or what a Facebook group or whatever this is, where people can <laughs> post their complaints and their garage sales. Um, I'm not brave enough to, to be in there, but Mo likes to send me the best of the best when something good happens in my community. So let me just read to you what happened last week. Again, I won't go through the whole thing, but somebody posted, hi, everyone. I know it's nice out, but can you please close your windows when cooking meat? As a vegan runner, it is always hard for me this time of year when the weather gets nice. And several nights this week, I'm out running around dinner time when people have their windows open and I can smell what they're cooking. I have noticed a sharp uptick in the smells of folks cooking meat, and it can be quite overpowering. And honestly, the odor is offensive. I'm hoping our community can have some empathy for its hashtag plant-based neighbors (laughs) by closing their windows if they are cooking meat and only putting vegetables on their barbecue. I don't want to be a stereotype, so I won't get into detail on why the odor of cooking animals is offensive, but I encourage you to do your research and and join the movement. Thank you in advance. I'm just going to let you, I'm just going to let you guys Now Listen, I will, I will say I was out walking my dog the other night during dinner time, and it did smell like bacon. I personally thought it was a nice treat on my walk, but, um, not everyone <laughs> feels this way. And we know it's, it's game time, Monday night football, Sunday night football. A lot of people maybe, maybe making some like bacon cheese dip or some hot dogs. I don't know. Eli would like, what are your, can you even ask somebody to do this? I just don't think you can. Well, okay. There are a couple of things that I have to dissect here. <laughs> kind of, kind of like a football game. First and foremost, I'm glad that you weren't brave enough to give out what neighborhood you live in in Vegas <laughs> on the, on the podcast, on, on our YouTube show, because you know, Nicole, that I know too. I mean, everyone's kind of been through this on social media, that if you give out anywhere remotely close to you, where you live, that people will come after you uh, in some sense. So I'm glad that you decided yeah. to uh, 
to stay to stay away from that. I'm not I also ending up that. in this chat next week. Okay, I'm not ending up in this chat. Yeah, that's that's good out of your part. I also love how you threw in that it was a nice treat for you um, <laughs> about the smell of the bacon, like you were like you were an animal, like your dog was walking you, uh, even though your dog <laughs> probably thought the same thing. But yeah, I the hashtag what was it plant based hashtag plant based. Like, like that is just you just don't know it. <laughs> hashtag plant based, even if you have that opinion. People are going to be out cooking, especially when it's football season. It's all it seems to be always nice weather in Vegas. I'm in Chicago. Somehow we're still getting 70 degrees in September. It's going to be really cold. Uh, You should have the right to be cooking meat in Vegas, uh, especially when the rest of the country is dealing with the weather that we're going to be dealing with in October, November, December, etc. So I just I can't get there with this with this uh, vegan technical. I just can't do it. Mo, what do you think? Do we have the right to grill hot dogs? outside during football season is that my right (laughs) well i think the real question is whether this is real or if it's a troll um yeah there's that i kind of think it's real because i don't know just the ending is kind of to me what tips it toward real where they're saying join the movement somebody told me somebody else that i sent that to told me that's legit like a lot of vegans will say that and then uh yeah, just the whole hashtag thing and, and all that. I don't know. Oh, if, if it's a troll, they went really far. So congratulations. They did well. I will say the <laughs> post got a lot of traction. I think there was like 365 comments by the time that you sent it to me. I guess oh, my wow. take is it's like we live, you know, people have backyards. They have grills. Like nobody is going to be smoking up their entire house, pan searing a steak because they're worried about offending somebody outside in their own backyard. And <laughs> also it's just, I'm going to, I'm going to be the, like the a-hole. I feel, I feel like this is very much like the Reddit, am I the a-hole? Like we're getting into that, but it's like run on a treadmill then if you don't want to be exposed to the smells of outside and people cooking at dinner time or run past dinner time because it's just as nice outside at 8 p.m. as it is at 6 p.m. in Las Vegas. So I just can't, I can't get there with this one. I can't, I don't have sympathy for this guy. Yeah. I mean, there's, you said this was, you said this was Sunday night, right? I can't remember. I actually believe it was it was a Thursday night. Go go inside and watch the game. Go on the <laughs> treadmill and put put your iPad uh, attach your iPad to the treadmill and go watch the game. You don't have to deal with the smells. Maybe everyone doesn't have a treadmill, but do push ups in the basement. I don't care. Whatever it takes. You don't need to throw your veganism at people, especially during football season. Eli is most offended that somebody is running outside during Thursday night football. He's not even offended by the third. He's like, wait, there's a game on. I don't understand why you would be running during the game. You should be watching Thursday night football. So that was fun. We also had, um, you know, we live, there's actually, you know what, I think that will give, I'm not even going to go in the next one because if I do, people are going to know where I live. So we're just going to end it with the vegan. Yeah, please. Just, we're just going to end it with the vegan and we're going to, we're going to take it back into football. But you know, if you have comments <laughs> on this, we would love to, you know, hear them in the, either the YouTube comments or the Apple podcast comments and no hate to vegans. I respect what you do. I couldn't personally do it, <laughs> but I just... I think this one's gone too far, but we'll get back into the football. We'll get back into the bets. Yeah. One last quick thing on veganism. We're probably going to get a bunch of unsubscriptions on YouTube and Apple because of it. My sister tried to be a vegan. I want to say it was high school or college for three weeks. It didn't last for more than for, for again, more than a month. So 
you can have your veganism takes. If you could do it, more power to you. But I, I don't think I could get there. And clearly my family can't either. It's definitely difficult. Um, I will give you that. I think I lasted a month as well. But all right, football, <laughs> we're back at it. Mo, we're starting off with you. The Ravens are taking on the Patriots after blowing a huge fourth quarter lead last week. And they're looking to rebound and make a statement. I believe you like the Ravens here. Minus three. Give us a little more insight on that. Yeah, this time I actually did get on some minus three uh, just in case it does go up. Um, yeah, like you said, huge bone lead last week, not something I think is like super predictive, especially when you're facing wide receivers that have the ability to just torch you for 70 yard touchdowns at will, like the dolphins have. I, I think it's more predictive that the Ravens, I, I know they got a lucky in the sense of like you know, they did return the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Okay. That's obviously not something to count on going forward, but even beyond that, you know, they, they built a three touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. I think that's probably more predictive. Lamar Jackson, 11 yards per attempt. That's obviously tremendous. Um, I, I just don't see a way that <clears throat> the Patriots can do what the dolphins did. Basically. Um, you know, they exploited these corners deep. I got to say that, that Tyreek Hill long touchdown. Oh boy. That, yeah. that corner should not be on an NFL field. I believe he's a rookie. Uh, welcome to the NFL kid. You can't be flat footed when outside receivers are running right at you at full speed like that. Hopefully he learns from the experience, but even if he doesn't, it's not like the Patriots have a bunch of guys who are going to torch you deep. Nelson Aguilar circus catches against the Steelers, notwithstanding. The, the fumble that took away a chance for the Steelers to at least tie it up. Yeah, like the Patriots needed a muffed punt to to beat the Steelers. I mean, maybe they didn't need it to beat the Steelers. It helped immensely. Um, and yeah, I just see the Ravens as a much better team than the Patriots. Uh, I think the Steelers might be really, really bad. If that's the case and the Patriots are in a dogfight with them, even on the road, it's not a good sign. They obviously got trounced week one by the dolphins and and yeah i think the dolphins i mean the the ravens corners are gonna have a have a, have a better game here uh they're not gonna face as many multiple wide receiver sets where that that corner and other players of his ilk are gonna be on the field uh and and, and john harbaugh and his staff it's just a staff i trust to clean clean stuff like that up so um, very much into the Ravens here. I think I had fair minus four and a half here. So I think really good value at minus three. Uh, I definitely, I, I guess if it goes down to two and a half, I'll have to add more, but I won't feel good about it because I guess that will be the market telling me I'm awful. But, uh, I think the Ravens are too short of favorites here. I knew we were never getting out of today's segment without talking about how atrociously the Steelers played last weekend, but it's okay. I completely agree. But yeah. I mean, man, how bad was it to be a Ravens fan, Browns fan last week? I mean, it's they're actually making the Steelers look like they're playing smart football. But uh, yeah, the Ravens allowed the largest blown lead in franchise history, which was 35 to 14 heading into the fourth. Lamar was, in my opinion, absolutely dominant through for 318 yards and three touchdowns. And the Ravens basically just wasted 
all of that. Now, that being said, I'm with you, Mo. I think that they are going to clean this up and I do trust them to clean it up. And it's all about how they respond going forward. I've listened to some of the post game interviews. They know how bad that blown lead was. They know it's all about how they respond next week. And I do think that they're going to put up a more dominant performance, even than we saw early on in that Miami game. So I like your take here as well. Eli, any final thoughts before we get into your last pick of the day? I agree with uh, the side for Mo and a couple of points to bounce off it in terms of a couple other teams you mentioned. Well, first off, uh, Williams wouldn't be on the field. Their rookie nickelback if Kyle, Kyle uh, Fuller didn't tear his ACL, I want to say. So just to uh, to throw a little shade at Nicole again, because my Ravens futures defensively aren't looking great. The Ravens are are banged up in the back seven. Uh, Marcus Peters and Humphrey still need to get a little healthier as the season goes along. But market steam on the Browns. You mentioned the Steelers. Um, they're they're playing the Browns on Thursday Night Football. I want to say Cleveland was as high as minus five and a half. Now we're starting to see some four and a half pop. I think the it's tough to say if it was a head fake or not because now money is coming back on on Pittsburgh. That also might be the the rah rah Mike Tomlin factor. I'm probably not going to have a play on. Steelers Browns the quarterback play is just disastrous for Pittsburgh and then Miami I, I know Tua led the Dolphins to the comeback win uh 21 points down I want to say they were as high as 25 to 1 ish on um, on the live money line not saying anyone should have backed that but for anyone that did congratulations either way whatever the number was it was a big uh big price but Dolphins are giving up the highest yards per play allowed in the NFL. Um, so despite the two a comeback, I want to say they were out gaining yards per play in week one by a, a bad Pats team to most point and clearly out gaining yards per play uh, against the Ravens despite the comeback uh, in week two. So I just can't trust this Dolphins defense as much as people might want to say, jump on Miami. Market steam came out of the Bills after their dominant Monday Night Football performance against the Titans. I, I'm not there yet with this Dolphins team because defensively they still have a lot of issues. All right, and that takes us to the final pick of the day, number four. To cap things off, we're going to take a look at the Washington Commanders, and they are taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in week three. Now, the Eagles are coming off of a pretty dominant Monday night football performance and win against the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. The spread for this game has been on the move. We saw it at plus four. Four saw it as go as high as plus seven. Eli, talk us through this one. Where's the number currently sitting right now? Like you mentioned, Nicole, this number was as high as uh, uh, Eagles minus seven. So Commanders plus seven, minus one ten both ways at BetMGM this morning. Uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday morning, we're pretty much seeing six and a half across the board. Uh, Eagles are minus one fifteen, minus six and a half. Uh, or you can reverse that however you want to describe it over at BetMGM. Everywhere else, it's uh, six and a half minus 110. At points bet, you're seeing six and a half minus 107 both ways. They are giving reduced juice both ways. Uh, if you're looking to sign up at points bet, go to thelines.com. You'll get a pretty good promo offer bonus code when you sign up for that uh, respective sports book. But going back to Eagles Vikings on Monday Night Football, uh, betters like myself clearly underreacted to their performance against the Lions in week one because they dominated the Vikings. Speaking of yards per play, uh, dominated Minnesota in that respective metric, uh, 7.1 to 4.5, so a, a 2.6 differential. 
uh, in that category. And then, it, like you said, Nicole, this spread jumping up from, I want to say three and a half, four to as high as seven, now back down to six and a half. I feel like, though, going back to that uh, week two Monday Night Football perfor- uh, performance, I think Kevin O'Connell showed a little bit too much in week one against the Packers offensively. Now, Kirk Cousins uh, couldn't dissect that Eagles zone defense and Darius Slay played great football like he could the uh, Joe Barry Packers zone defense in week one. But to that point, Darius Slay had the foot and ankle injury that we saw in the second half. The Eagles have yet to comment. Uh, on the injury as we're recording this, but on a short week. So you still have Bradbury in the secondary, and I get it's Carson Wentz, and a lot of people are going to be bringing up the revenge factor for Wentz, and on the flip side, the revenge factor for the Eagles facing their former quarterback. Now, injuries on the Washington offensive line, uh, notable because uh, they're starting center going into the season, who I believe signed a contract extension over the last couple of years, might be out for this season with a knee injury, but they did sign Nick Martin early Tuesday morning, and he actually grades really well in pass protection um, in his career. But you look at Washington's offensive performance, especially in the passing game, I understand they were in a negative game script against the Lions, especially in the second half. I don't think they covered uh, the second half line, but they came pretty close because of how well their passing offense has performed. And you go back to week one against a pretty um, decimated Jacksonville secondary as well. Colts couldn't take advantage of it because of their injuries at the wide receiver position. But the uh, the Washington commanders, um, and in terms of their passing offense, they rank above average in expected points added and dropback success rate. So without Slay, assuming he doesn't suit up against a deep zone coverage that Jonathan Gannon runs, I think Wentz is going to have some success here yet again. Logan Thomas is seems to be healthy off the ACL injury. You have McLaurin, you have Samuel and the other uh, rookie Dotson. So I think uh, the commanders can hang within the six and a half. I'm going to wait to see if a seven pops on Washington, like we saw early Tuesday morning. But either way, I think this is a little bit of a market inflation towards the Eagles in the wrong direction, despite the great performance on Monday Night Football. I'll likely be backing the commanders. Mo, any final tidbits before we say our goodbyes? I'm definitely with Eli uh, looking for a seven ideally here, but I think I'd honestly play this at six and a half, even if it doesn't pop. I mean, yeah. it's it's just a spot where the market is definitely going to give too much credit after a big, big Eagles blowout. I get it. They looked great. And Washington had a really poor game, but that's that's why you got to seesaw the other way in a spot like this. I love this group of Washington receivers. There's going to be a nice little strength on strength matchup. Um, if Slay's in there uh, with the Eagles DBs against these Washington uh, pass catchers. I mean, this is a tremendous group of weapons. Jahan Dotson looks legit. And I, I think that even if they fall behind a team like this, man, the back door is always going to be open when you have an aggressive quarterback like Wentz and, and downfield threats at receiver like these guys. Look at us all coming together for a kumbaya moment to end the show. Good job, guys. We didn't plan that. Um, As always, good luck with your bets this week. And thank you for tuning in. Eli and I will be back on Thursday with a special guest for our interview series. And remember to subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review for your chance to win that Amazon gift card. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. 